and welcome to this special episode of Think Big, Move Fast. I'm your host, Heather DeVoe, and I am very excited to present a conversation that I had recently with my student, Sarah Roach-Lewis of SRL Solutions. Sarah went through my 30-day program to create her online course, finished it in record time, and is now selling her online course, the Entrepreneur Planning Program. Listen in as Sarah and I talk about everything from starting a business, running a business, growing a business, falling a little bit on your face, the lessons you learn along the way, and you can learn more about her program, the Entrepreneur Planning Program, as well as how I helped her create her online course. Let's get to it. Okay, so here's the problem. Many entrepreneurs want to create online courses to help grow their businesses, build their email list, and share their knowledge with the world. But it's overwhelming to try and map out the ideas, create that curriculum, and deal with the tech, right? I'm your host, Heather DeVoe, and I want to welcome you to Think Big, Move Fast, where I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs just like you create amazing online courses quickly so you can share your talents with the world instead of getting bogged down in the process. I am the leading instructional design coach for entrepreneurs who want to create online courses faster, easier, and who want to make more of an impact while they're at it. I've created thousands of hours of online courses, in-person workshops, and training programs for businesses in eight countries spanning four continents, and my courses have reached countless people over the last 20 years. Now, I'm teaching you everything I know about how to create amazing online courses quickly and easily. Stick with me and you'll learn how to take the guesswork out of getting started. I'll show you how to clear the way forward so you can create a meaningful curriculum and I'll teach you how to tackle the tech with ease so you can bring your online courses to life. In other words, I make creating online courses simple so you can make them faster. Let's get to it. All right. So Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. Sarah Roach-Lewis is my guest today on Think Big, Move Fast. And I'm super excited to be here with you because Sarah, number one, you're awesome. But number two, (laughs) we're going to talk about a really exciting topic because we're just starting into a new year. It's a clean slate for everybody. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of planning and business planning, which is your forte. So why don't we start with you telling us who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about what you do. Sure. Well, thanks, Heather. I am also excited to be here. So I am from Prince Edward Island, and I, what I do is I am a feminist business strategist. So I help women grow their businesses bigger than they imagine possible. And I generally work with service-based businesses, but not always. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit about Sarah? You just said that you work with feminist business owners. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm a feminist business strategist. And the reason why I use that description is because women's experiences, I I used to work for a not-for-profit for for a feminist organization for Mm -hmm. about eight years. And so I have a ton of experience in the research and experience of women's lives. And the reality is 
um, women's lives and experience are profoundly different. And we bring that into our business world. And so I think that it is important when we are building businesses to recognize that what we're doing is building businesses that work for our life and not businesses that we have to sort of squeeze our life in around. And the best way to do that is to recognize the full experience of the business owner. And my most experience with that is with women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was actually, the reason I asked right off the top of the hour is that I was having a conversation with someone this morning and we were talking about how so much we focus on building businesses for other people and we use success metrics or success, success metrics rather um, that we think we should be striving for. And it was just this year in my own business that I sort of hit the brakes and said, wait, what do I want to do? <laughs> Like, why am I building a business to impress other people when like, I'm not that really impressed with my own business myself. So I really like that approach to it because so often we are building businesses for other people, especially on social media. We all want to look great. We all want to sound great. And I think in that, that attempt to look and sound great, we lose a lot of ourselves. And I think that's when entrepreneurship becomes a drag when you're hustling for something you don't even know what you're hustling for we might as well have jobs right and that's the exact opposite of what we want that's why we're entrepreneurs but we still are striving for those pieces of ourselves that are not really of ourselves and so I love that about you and I think that that's great and I just wanted to call attention to that because I think starting the year off being aligned with number one what you want it seems like a foreign concept these days in business. It seems like you've got to run a business the way other people run a business. Uh, and I'm done with that. And so I'm so glad to hear you say that. That's fantastic. So you're in Prince Edward Island and you work with women businesses, women-owned businesses to help them strategize, to help them to grow their businesses. And what are some of the struggles that you're seeing with women-owned businesses today? Well, that's a great question, Heather. And so I think, you know, the challenges um, that women-owned businesses face, I I think just to sort of circle back to what what you were just saying is, the reality is when we pull back super big picture, um, women in business is not is still relatively new if we look at, you know, 100 years, 100 and some odd years ago in Canada. Um, that's how long it was when it was the person's case. So, you know, only 100 and some years ago, women were considered property mm-hmm. of their husbands. Right. And so, you know, when we look at business, it is very masculine. And if we think about the language that we use, and like you talk about those metrics that we use, they're very masculine. And if you're, if you kind of think about it one step further, they're very military. Yeah, military. But you know, um, is that the hill you want to die on? Like yeah. we have all of these, this very militaristic masculine language. Yeah. And so I, I just want to also be super clear. I think that business should be fun and it should be profitable. I work with ambitious women and I love having financial targets and I love stretching myself to hit those things. And I'm also really only interested in doing that on my own time and in my own way. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, one of the things that you were talking about at, a, a number of years ago when I first started out, um, a client that I had at the time um, just had gone through some challenges in her business. And so it was messy and kind of challenging. And she said to me, you know, um, it's essentially it all sucks. Um, <laughs> this is a total nightmare. But she said so lovingly, but it's my nightmare. Oh. This is really new in business. And I thought, I don't want to build a nightmare. No. That's no. terrible. Uh, so I think, you know, that back to, you know, why is it important to plan? Like, you know, thinking about these things, it's like, it is actually really easy to build a nightmare. It is equally as easy to build a business that you love. Yeah. And my background is, uh, you know, I did frontline work for a lot of a lot of years, and the work that I did was very difficult. And I worked with um, women who experienced a lot of trauma, multiple trauma. And the reality is, you don't do that work. You know, there's that saying, you don't walk through the water without getting wet. Mm -hmm. um, and I experienced compassion fatigue and vicarious trauma. And when I left the not-for-profit sector, I left because I was entirely burnt out. And I also believe to my core that gender equality solves all of the world's problems. And so I really had to look at what is a different way that I can support women to be financially successful? Because when women have more money in their pockets, that is a better world for everyone. Yeah. And so when I went out into business, one of the things that, you know, when I first started um, and I had, you know, this client that was having some challenges, I, at the end of every day when I was driving home, I was just so delighted because it's like, you know what? This is just like your accounts receivable is out of whack. That's just a problem to be solved. I didn't have to bear witness to anything really terrible. I didn't have to take anybody to the hospital. So to me, I bring a lightheartedness that business should be fun mm. and it should be working for your life. Mm. So you did ask me what are the challenges that I see that women face and I answered an entirely different question. Um, but in terms of the challenges, um, one of the greatest challenges that women face in their business is less than 2% of women owned businesses have revenues let over seven figures. Mm -hmm. And 86% of women owned businesses make less than $100,000 a year in revenue. And I will tell you, Heather, that wow. that, yeah, yeah. So let's just sit with that for a minute, right? Yeah, the million dollars, like, okay, fine. I could, I could swallow that pill, but the, the six figure number, that's, they're working, they're working jobs then. These people are working jobs. Wow. And so there are some women who really, you know, for what, like they're, they're making that decision yeah. and they are replacing their salary and it's working for them. Yeah. And the reality is, if you have that seed that you want to grow and you want to change and you, you know, and you want to get above that, when you are making less than $100,000 a year, you're really focusing, it, it's just so hard to grow. You are in the heart, I, I assure you, and people don't believe me, mm -hmm. but I promise, it's actually the hardest stage to be in yeah. because you're having to do all of the things and you don't have the resources in order to move forward mm -hmm. so probably that's you know at a big picture that's one of the greatest challenges that women face is yeah. scaling past that 
really hard stage of doing it all themselves because they don't have any money to outsource anything. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. That number shocks me. Um, I I think because you see so many top, so many people, women especially, talking about the first hundred k as something that seems so attainable or unattainable rather. Um, and I think it seems so unattainable when you're coming from a corporate job and you're making fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year, and that seemed like a stretch because you're you've maxed out that position. And I think to sort of get your brain to go from, okay, they're paying me 50 or 60,000 to, I need to somehow create a hundred thousand in the world. It seems impossible. But one of the reasons in myself, when I experienced that, when I went to my first hundred K, what I experienced and what I remember being very aware of was I'm doing everything for the first time. And I was hyper aware of, I only have to do it this one time. And then the next time, the next kick at the can will be a little bit easier but knowing that and then executing that were two different things. It turned out that I was doing everything for the first time every single day. And even though it was another kick at the can, it was a new kick at the can. And so that was new again. And I was never getting my feet under me. And that is where we live in the hustle, which to your point of like burnout and you're fatigued and you get all those, you know, th that's why people go back and they go get jobs again is because they can't breach that, that point. Um, but I love your approach to uh, the idea that it's just a problem. Like all of this is solvable. And I think if you can keep that frame of mind that these, there's no emotion tied up in the numbers, you know, but we make it so emotional um, that I think if you can sort of remove that and just solve the problem as if you were solving that problem for your boss. And this is how I sort of get over it, get over, you know, my own bullshit a little bit was like, well, if my boss asked me to fix this, I'd fix it in half the time. So why am I sitting on the couch feeling sorry for myself? And, you know, you have to go through that. It's part of entrepreneurship. Uh, but I love that idea. And it's funny because we are working on another project together, you and I, and you had mentioned to me something about profit first, just in passing about profit first, but I'm actually reading that book right now for the third time. And I'm reading it like I am only reading it for the first time because now I'm ready to hear it, you know? And one of the things I did right away is I went and I started listening to the podcast for Profit First, which is now Profit Nation, Profit First Nation. Um, and and the host of that show, who is not Mike Michalowicz, he's there as a, he's there as a sort of a guest speaker once in a while, but the idea is the same. They talk about being part of the 17% who make profit. Mm, and no. that number blew my mind because I was like, that's first of all, that's a very strange number, 17%, because we hear a lot about the 1%. And you're either you are or you're not in that group. But I wondered about businesses and being profitable. And I'm now working the profit first system into my business. And I'm going to tell you right now, I took my very first paycheck in four years. Wow. Well, congrats. This, this year. That's a big deal. And I was making six figures, right? So to make that kind of money, and I think this is a conversation that nobody ever has, you're making six figures. And I, I wasn't taking a paycheck. I have never in four years of entrepreneurship, I've never had a paycheck. I take lots of money out of my business, but it's, it's sporadic. And sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. Uh, but this year I said to hell with this, I'm not working my tail off to have no money to buy groceries at the end of the day. And, and, and so I picked up this book again, third time's a charm and went, oh, Mike, yeah, you're right. You're right. 
and and it's a great book and the 17% number blew my mind. So I wonder, you know, without divulging too much information, what's your experience around profit versus breaking even and what's your take on that? Well, you know what? Yeah. So I think um, we all need to, I, everyone needs to read profit first. And I read it a couple of years ago. And again, it goes back to when you're in that, in that early stage or, or in that less than seven figures, um, it's really hard, right? It's really, especially if you're doing a service-based business, it's hard to be consistent and you don't pay yourself first or you're, you're not focusing on profit. Um, so I think, one of the things that I work with my clients on is getting clear on what that budget is and getting clear on, um, and, and you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's also how you decide to use your profits. Mm -hmm. So I have profits in my business this year, um, which I was super happy about, um, but I just turned them right back into my business, right? Because for me, I am on a trajectory where I am interested in getting doubling my revenues every year so right. I've done that every year since I started mm -hmm. um 2019 I hit about 79 percent increase so not double but I was pretty happy with that given COVID mm -hmm. um so I think it's also you know the profit allows you to then decide what you're going to do with that and I think it also sort of speaks to being at this beginning of the year and you know planning and thinking about um you know, what your revenue target is for the year. Before you do that, it's really helpful to spend some time looking super big picture. So 10 years out, because to your point, you know, 17% of businesses have profit. Um, another question is how, what is the possibility of selling your business? You know, there's, we all often also think about that, like what's your exit strategy, right. especially service-based businesses. So, I like when we're looking at things like revenue targets or doing planning in our business, where we want to first start with is our vision. And what is the vision for your business in 10 years from now? Um, you know, for me, I, in 10 years, I'll be 58, which is crazy, but true. Uh, it also, you know, thinking that through around in 10 years from now, I'm going to have a 23 year old mm -hmm. and a 26, 27 year old. So thinking that both in terms of what do I want to be doing 10 years from now? Where is it that I want my business to be? Am I building a business that I intend to sell? Am I bu building more of a practice model where my intention is to, you know, grow profits and invest those, um, you know, taking that sort of 10 year period so that I'm building my own nest egg that way. Uh, you know, those are the sorts of things that we really want to be thinking about in terms of, and, and I mean, the reality is, you know, 2020 has told us that uh, <laughs> visioning is, is sometimes a little funny, but at the end of the day, it's still an important process. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, when I ask clients to do that, it does make your head pop off a little bit. Like, where are you going to be in 10 years, whether you're 23, 33, 43? Right. Yeah. To right away, I'm thinking of two things. One is um, I really appreciate that when you're, when you were talking about your vision, you took from a personal perspective first, like I'm going to be this age, my children will be this age. And you center yourself that way. I think um, 
would you say that that is like the feminist in you is like taking from the creation side, taking from the empathy side, the compassion side of what does my life look like? Is that, is that where that comes from? Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, what we know about women's experience is that we do take on about a 8% of um, household child care responsibilities. Is that it? 88%? Is that it? <laughs> There's also elder care and volunteer responsibilities. <laughs> so 147% then? Yeah. Uh, there's there's a great image of um, women in like uh, a man and a woman business owner at the starting like the starting line of a of a racetrack. Yeah. And you know they're ready to hit the go sign, and in front of the woman is like the laundry and the washing machine, the dryer, the clothes, right. the kids, and the men have sort of like the clear path. Yeah. Part of the work of um, being a feminist is working to change those structures. Yeah. And part of it is a recognition that that is where we live right now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we orient our business. If we're building a business that works for our life, we're thinking about what does that look like? And, you know, I, um, it also, yeah. So it's, it's like, what does that look like? And, and to me, my business is, you know, profit per first. It's actually Sarah first as well. Yeah. Because it doesn't really matter what else is happening. If Sarah's not happy, then Sarah's not going to be all that interested in growing this business, or it's not going to matter how much money I make mm -hmm. if along the journey, I'm not really all that happy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy to me because, you know, when I was working in corporate, uh, I was chasing money and I was always like, oh, if I just make more money, I'll be happy. And then I got into entrepreneurship and realized that, oh, it has actually got nothing to do with money at all. I just was working all the wrong jobs and really need to align and center myself and figure out like, hey, where's my zone of genius here? Um, but just going back to what you were saying about the pandemic in 2020, um, I wonder if you could speak to a little bit about that that idea of planning and like maybe some people have a chip on their shoulder now about the idea of even making a plan because yeah 2020 threw us a curveball 40 of them actually but you know one's <laughs> enough so what what do you say to that when people feel hesitant to be planning right now yeah fair enough uh, a couple of things. I think um, when we look at starting with our vision and so looking at you know thinking about that big picture, then in a visioning, you know, in that planning process, then we look at where do we want to be at the end of the year. And then the next piece of that in the visioning process is what is your revenue target. So you do all of that before you even start thinking about the how. Mm -hmm. When I talk about planning, uh, I think one of the joys of being a small business is that you can be nimble. Mm -hmm. And really the horizon line between imagination and planning is about 90 days. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about planning for entrepreneurs, we're talking 90 days out. You have that sort of bigger picture idea yeah. of what you hope to accomplish in a year, but you're only planning 90 days out. Mm -hmm. And so when something like the pandemic hits, the reality is in the early days of that, like if we say March, April, I was in working with my clients and we were really only planning two weeks or 30 days out yeah. because at the end of the day, we couldn't see what was on the horizon beyond that. But in general, 
even in the kind of pandemic COVID uprest world that we're living in right now, I think it's reasonable to be looking 90 days out. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we look 90 days out and we decide for me, I really focus on working on your business. So what are the things that you can do in the next 90 days that are going to drive the most growth but toward that goal that you have set for yourself for the year? Mm-hmm. And so when we look at that kind of planning, it's planning for growth, it's planning with growth in mind. We're planning the growth. Mm-hmm. So when we look at that, we're really looking at one, depending on the size of your business, maybe two business goals yeah. um, you're working on and one personal. So again, always bringing that in. What is the one thing that you're going to do in your personal life over the next 90 days yeah. um, to make your life better? And then business-wise, we focus on those on those 90 days. Then we, it's, we look at 90 days, then we pull back to... Um, sometimes looking at the month, but definitely a two week sprint. So we're looking at what does the next two weeks look like? And how do I break that night, that big project that I've, that I've set for myself down to a month. So, you know, if we were to tie in a good example, let's say, in the last quarter of 2019, I knew that I wanted to create a new offer. And so at the beginning of the quarter, I, you know, my business project was create a new offer for SRL solutions. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, I kind of honed that offer, um, did some really great training to get clear on what is my message and, you know, who is my audience. Mm -hmm. And then what I realized through that is like, okay, great, but I don't actually have like the container, the program. And so being able to look at that 90 days out, knowing in 90 days, I actually want to have this offer that I can just sell, sell, sell in 20 21 that's where you and I connected Mm -hmm. and I I knew that I wanted to create um the entrepreneur planning program and your course creation 30 days allow that would be a brilliant example of a working on the business with growth in mind activity Mm -hmm. yeah I, I I appreciate that and I I I agree. I think that is a great example. Uh, But what I like about that example is that there are clear metrics in mind of what needs to happen. And so I imagine what you've just described in some part is what the entrepreneur planning program is. So why don't you tell us about the entrepreneur planning program in a little more detail? What are people going to do when they come and work with you? Sure. Well, I've actually talked about a fair bit of it. So the first part of, so the intention with the entrepreneur planning program in many ways is to help women grow their business. It's also to help women grow their ambition. Mm. Uh, I oh, I like that distinction. Hmm. That's an and- important distinction. It is. Yeah. And ambition is one of those things that uncovers and unveils itself. And in my experience and my what I see with my clients is the most important thing that we can do in our business is just act, right? Like just mm-hmm. keep moving forward, stack those wins, and that it builds the ambition as well as the business. So 
when we're in the entrepreneur planning program, essentially what you get from that in the end is a recognition of how to plan. Mm -hmm. And then your first 90 day plan that we work through together. So we do the vision, you figure out what your year, one year revenue target is. Then we spend a good amount of time looking at your business. So we look at, you know, what your budget is, even if that's not very much fun. Um, and sometimes people sort of fall into two camps around budgets. Um, and, but I, I do tend to promise that by the time you're done working with me, you have a greater appreciation um, for budgets and a recognition that it's not always fun to sit down and do that, but it, it is, it is enjoyable in terms of the outcome. So we look at that, we look at, you know, your clients, your products, your services, we do a SWOT analysis, we have a really good assessment of your business, because the greatest predictor of future success in your business is previous success. <laughs> we really want to build on that. Yeah. And then we roll into, um, you know, we talk a little bit about strategy at this stage of business. We just need a little dose of strategy. So we talk about what's the best strategy for you. Then we create the 90 day plan and then we just execute and yeah. we just do it and it, you know, and iterate that. And it is amazing to see the success that people, that women experience when they work through that program. Mm. The, the thing about planning, Heather, is it's probably the, like the least sexy part of business, like, you know, marketing and this and that. It's like way more sexy. But at the end of the day, if you don't know what your plan is and if you don't know exactly what you are focusing on to drive the greatest growth in your business, none of the rest of that is going to be successful. So once you learn how to plan, then you get to build all the rest of those things that are going to continue to stack your wins. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is also a really important distinction because my experience oftentimes with working with entrepreneurs and part of the reason why I created the program that I did is because we get caught in what we think is a planning stage and planning is about decision-making, right? Like it's not just sitting around thinking, which is what most inexperienced entrepreneurs get caught up in doing. People who are just starting to, to come into this, this arena or they're starting to think about building a business, they spend way too much time thinking and not enough time actually trying these things to see what is working and what isn't working. Um, and I, I think that there is a really important distinction there around that planning is actually an action. When it's done correctly, it is not just time to reminisce or time to reflect or time to ponder. If you're doing planning correctly and you have a framework with which to execute on, you end up with something at the end of that. And I think so. I think it's important to make that distinction because I think people think like, well, I can just plan on my own or like I'll just scribble down some notes or use my planner which like writing things in a notebook is not action. You know, that's the ruminating, that's the thinking. Um, but I, I love that idea of it's decision-making, it's guided decision-making. And it's how, I wonder how important is accountability in a program like yours when people know they have to do these things. Um, I think budgeting is sexy, just in my own opinion. When I see numbers on a piece of paper, um, that gives me such an empowerment feel. I feel so in control 
that I don't know that you could make me stop smiling. Like when I can see where things are at and even if they're shit, I feel like, okay, well, uh, same thing as your client, right? It's, I am in control of this shit. It's my shit. But I, I think when you ignore that, or if you pretend you're not interested in that, you're doing your business a great disservice because at the end of the day, if you don't know what's going on under the surface, then you could do all the brilliant marketing you want. It's it's going to just end you up in the hole, right? You're going to end up right back where you started. So yeah, how important is accountability to your clients? You know, what does that look like? Well, it's huge. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's huge. I think it's accountability and support at the same time. So it is it is a big deal. And I mean, often when we go through the entrepreneur planning program, there's both um, group calls and one-to-one. So it's really interesting to see the accountability in, and how important it is in both of those components. So great example, just this week, I had a one-on-one with a client and she's has you know, shockingly had to do a COVID pivot. (laughs) So, you know, she's going to back at that place of like needing to reach out and making those relationships and finding the sales. And so in our one-to-one, I said, okay, how how many calls are you going to do? How many reach outs are you going to make a day? And she said, I'm going to do three. And I said, great, post that in the Facebook group. And she did and the amazing thing is um yesterday or a couple of days later uh one of the other women commented on the thread and said how many did you do today and she came back and said whatever the number was which was more than three. Oh, great and i just thought you know it's so amazing but not only does the accountability work in that way sure makes you accountable to your own decisions when you're the person who asked how many did you you know how many calls did you make today you're then going to be more accountable to your own um actions as well so Mm. i think as business owners i mean it is one of those things especially small business if you're a solo entrepreneur you have a small team it is the thing that is often missing is that person who that you can speak to and talk to that pulls you back up to that 30,000 foot view of your business. And you can like lift up the hood and say, look at all this mess under here. How are we going to, how are we going to, you know, organize that? (laughs) And I think that accountability with a coach or with you know other other business owners is probably the most important thing that you can do. Mm, yeah, it's like a gift to yourself, really. You know, when you have that that arena to play in, and you have the structure, but then also the trust. Right? There's a huge amount of trust there when you lift up that hood and you show that mess to somebody, um, somebody who gets it. I think that that's really important. It's funny. I was talking to someone this morning. I've been on the phone all day. <laughs> I don't talk to anybody ever, but I've literally been on the phone since nine o'clock this morning. Um, One of my phone calls was just with a friend of mine and we were talking about um, computers. Actually, we're talking about, I I have a computer. It's not, it's not cutting the mustard. I need something else. And she knows me very well. She knows I love cars. I love car metaphors. And she said, Heather, it's like you're driving a one cylinder Mustang. And I was like, you know, you're exact. That's exactly what it is. My, the outside of my computer 
uh, as I would argue, my business at certain stages looks like a Mustang, uh, but it's got one cylinder under the hood. <laughs> so I laughed because I was like, that is a great friggin' metaphor for so many things that we think it's great. It looks great. It's shiny. Um, but it's just not doing what we needed to do. So when you can do that with someone that you trust and say, like, I need at least six more cylinders in here. This is not okay. <laughs> and someone could say, look, I happen to build cylinders. You know, right. when you can offer that to somebody, I think that that's really, really powerful. And then for people to recognize that this is a means to an end and that there's action there and people get out of the cycle of thinking and they start doing, that's when you start to see real, real results. Yeah, imperfect action, man. And that is, I think, one of the things that women in particular struggle with is that analysis paralysis and and not wanting to launch until it's perfect. And I remember, you know, one time hearing someone say, if you're not a little bit embarrassed by your first offer, you waited too long to launch. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, at the end of the day, that is one of the challenges that we face. And so um, being willing to do that imperfect action, and sometimes that does take sort of that gentle nudging. Yeah. I think the other thing, Heather, that it's really important to sort of talk about is we often think that everyone else's business looks amazing behind the scenes mm -hmm. yeah. and that this elegant solution and we just don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you that everybody's business looks a little messy behind the scenes, no matter who it is, the person that you, you know, see on Facebook or your mentor or whatever, particularly at this, you know, this stage of business until you get to the place where your revenues allow for, you know, significant help in, in your operations, it is a little bit messy, but here's the other thing that's okay. Right. Look at the stage of business when we're at the stage of business where we're like starting or building, you know, our focus should be on sales and marketing and product development or offer development. If you're running, uh, you know, things on a spreadsheet and that works for you, that's okay. Like you don't have to necessarily have this great big sophisticated back end if you don't need it. You know, it's, it's really about when, the stage of business, when you get to that stage, um, when the only way that you can grow your business now is by, you know, focusing on systems and processes, then that's the time to look at that. Before that, if things are a little bit messy, that's okay. Everyone's is a little bit messy behind the scenes. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something that I think people don't talk enough about is because we live social media lifestyles and we all drive Mustangs on the surface. You know, I think that that's a real thing. And, um, that's certainly, yeah, the case. I mean, like my own business is just like all the time, just like duct tape and glue, you know, you're just trying to hold it together. And, um, and I appreciate that there are people in the world like you who are like, here is something that can give you the confidence you need, can give you the information that you need. It's, not rocket science, but at the end of the day, you're going to feel like it is because you're going to wish you had had this your whole life, right? Like when you take something as difficult and complex as running the back end of your business and package it the way that you've packaged it and made it accessible to people, 
you know, that is, that's, it's brilliant, but it also speaks to your business experience that, you know, there are better ways to do this and you're reaching out to help people with that. So Sarah, how can people reach out to you and take your program? So the best way to do that is to go to my website, srl.solutions. And on the main page is the information about the entrepreneur planning program. And you can just um, hop on a call with me. That's the best way. We just want to sort of make sure that it's a right fit Mm -hmm. uh, for you and for me. Um, But really, I am one of my most favorite things in the whole world is other people's businesses. I am so excited um, about it. So, you know, certainly I think the other thing too is if you're not sure, hop on a call with me Mm -hmm. because I have calls all the time with people um, who might not be some who are ready and I will enthusiastically welcome you into my program. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes people are not ready. And they're, they're a little bit stuck. And it is amazing how much clarity you can get on a 45 minute strategy call with me. And then, you know, go off, figure it out. And when you're ready for the stage uh, where my program is, then you just come back and we, we have another conversation. But I really do invite people to, to reach out. That's awesome. And say the URL again, srl.solutions. Mm-hmm. As in Roach Lewis. And the dot solutions is the dot com. It sometimes confuses yeah, people. That's brilliant. I love it. It makes you stop going, oh yeah, you won't forget that URL. That's really, <laughs> that's awesome. So Sarah, any final parting words before we wrap up here? Anything you'd like people to know about you, your program, business, outlooks for 2021? Lay it on me. Well, I actually feel like we haven't really talked that much about you. So I do want to just take a minute um, and say that since I took your, you know, the, the course building course, I, anyone who just sort of half breathes that they want to do this sort of thing, I say, you should go talk to Heather. Oh, (laughs) thank you. You know, and I, I think, but, but truly Heather, I, have a lot of experience with developing curriculum. I have a lot of experience with developing courses, long and short, and I can't express enough how much I learned (laughs) and how much I really valued your your experience. And every time I got on a call and I, I mean, I like, let's make no mistake. I experienced a significant amount of overwhelm (laughs) while I was taking that. I had a lot of other stuff going on at the same time. And, um, you know, I'm going to say at least once a week on our every two week call, I was feeling like I don't, I can't do it. It's not going to happen. And you just are so good at breaking it down and looking at the preconceived notion that I had as the solution and asking if that was right. So truly, I just want to say like a, a real gratitude because one of the things that I wanted to do in 2021 is focus on selling, you know, is having focus in my business. Yeah. Focus on selling one program. And with your help, I got there and I would never 
be in the position that I'm in now if it wasn't for your help. So that's oh. what I want my final word to be. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate that so much. And it it's great to hear that because that is exactly, you're exactly the person I built this program for. Somebody who is already running a business, somebody who is already busy, someone who questions whether this is possible or not. Uh, and then when you have the right systems in place, it's possible. Yeah, that's so yeah. fantastic. Well, Sarah, I guess we'll leave it there since I'm blushing. We may as well <laughs> call it a day. Uh, I appreciate it so much that you've been here today. This is wonderful. I can't wait to share this with my listeners. And I'm going to put your beautiful face on my YouTube channel. And I'm going to feature you in my magazine. So you'll be all over Atlanta, Canada and beyond. Everyone's going to know about Sarah and SRL Solutions. I'm super excited. So thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon.